Shock Sports Radio starts now. If Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. This guy had the knack, the ability to create his own shot. I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. Yeah, that's my point, though. I think he's trying to you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go 3-9. and nine. Counting week 20 of Shark Sports Radio. Alongside of me is Andrew Gifford. He goes by Giffy. And it's yours truly, Mark Loisel Jr., a.k.a. Shark, right here in the Ocean State. What's up, Daddy-O? Yeah, what's going on, man? Nothing much. Uh, pretty wild weekend of, uh, of NFL football. Got the finals going on, and um, baseball stinks, so we're not going to talk about it. You know, baseball does stink, and as usual... Um, you know, I just think the game's way too long, but, uh, congratulations. You told me pre-show here, uh, that you're having a baby boy. I am. Uh, my wife and I found out, uh, yesterday and, uh, got a girl and now, uh, got a boy and then, uh, throw up. So in wrestling, if you throw up the X sign, the match is over. Done. I'm throwing up the X sign after this. We're, we're done. One boy, one girl, got one of each get out nice i love that it's a good mentality to have gif but you gotta have a boy right you gotta have a boy you gotta have a girl make it even for the family so yeah congratulations make it even and uh yeah and uh and and keep the last name running wild i don't know if the world is ready for a second me but we'll we'll give it a shot yeah did you guys think of a name yet or yeah we like i said uh we got some we got some names uh swirling around like i said they're, they're in the studio right now they're getting mixed and then, uh, you know, when the baby gets here, we'll, we'll put the final name on the, on the, I, I was going to say CD, but now I'm dating myself as an old guy. So we'll put a, uh, we'll put a name on the, uh, on the iTunes download and, uh, yeah, man, we'll open the lab. Up. We'll go up. Great. Great. Well, speaking of, uh, iTunes, you guys can tune in from your Apple podcast. You can tune in from Spotify as well as SoundCloud. As always, we really appreciate you taking the time and taking a dive into the tank with us. Giff, what a week it has been. You know, you look around the NFL, you look around the NBA. You know, we talk about it all the time, but at the end of the day, you look at players going down. You know, you got Cam Newton, um, you know, getting COVID. Coaches getting fired. Coaches getting hired. Lakers losing to the Miami Heat in game three without Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic on the Miami Heat side. But, hey, it's a long series for both teams, and who knows what will happen the rest of the way. Um so with that being said, we got a lot to jump into here, Geff. Okay, uh, so let's get right into it. So week four was pretty um, substantial a- across the board. Obviously, you know we talked about it last week. There was a lot of losing teams that couldn't find their stride, and there's also a lot of good teams that will just keep on finding their stride. But there were some serious injuries, and before we get into the recapping of big games that we want to discuss. The most notable players that come to my eyes as far as 
you know, going to the sidelines for a good while is Austin Eckler. He has a hamstring injury and he will miss four to six weeks. And then OG Howard has a torn Achilles out for the year. The injuries just keep stacking up, Gaff. We didn't know of going in, but, you know, anytime that you have a, a, a sport that's basically a car crash on every play and you don't have preseason, you know, you, you, they only have like a certain amount of practices where they can hit. Um, so, and, and a lot of soft tissue injuries, hamstrings, um, you know, calves, thighs, you know, a lot of, you know, muscles being pulled. So, you know, I mean, listen, the, for the people who want to put an asterisk on, you know, any of these championships that are being played, you know, either in a bubble, whether it's NHL, whether it's NBA, or, you know, even with football, um, I mean, we can say that it happened during, during COVID, obviously, but it's really a war of attrition, man. It's, it's next man up. It's, you know, there's going to be injuries across the board. There's going to be injuries that, that to, to a lot of, you know, skill guys on a lot of teams. But whoever can, you know, handle that the best, you know, these championships in my eyes should mean just as much as the ones beforehand because, you know, the ones before, they didn't have COVID. Sorry. Like, this is a, a worldwide – We're now, when people think about this, we're, all of these games are being played under <laughs> pandemic circumstances. So when you have something that – yeah, when you have something that is easily catchable and easily spreadable, and the the caveat of all caveats, you'll, you might feel fine, but this thing can be spread to anybody you know that that walks um you know in in a uh, walks by it. So I don't think these championships should be held in any less regard. If anything, I should I think they should be held in, in higher regard because you know it's football and people are traveling and people are playing under pandemic circumstances. But you know a lot of injuries. But again. You know, just like just like life, just like everything else, next man up, you gotta gotta move forward and and uh, you know keep it moving. Yeah, and I hit the argument where where like preseason, right? Everybody always doubts preseason. Why have that? You know, these players don't need it. This is the reason why the players do. If there's any argument in regards to the players getting ready and being up for this type of season, mind you, the performance has they have been great. They have been good. It's been a good product for sure. But I just think, you know, having that extra couple of weeks to prepare yourself for the big time, big show, the spotlights, um, it, it definitely, you know, is advantageous, right? So as, as long as you have, you know, the mechanics and the skill set and really the preparation to go into a season and ready to, to kill it, I mean, you're good. But there's players that just don't have that mentality and they need preseason, especially undrafted free agents. You know, we, we talk about, you know, big time players, you know, if you look at the undrafted list, there's significant players in the NFL that have a big role in, in uh, football this year. And a name that comes to my eyes from, you know, pre last year was uh, Preston Williams for Miami. He was the backup wide receiver. He was number two behind Devontae Parker. And he had a great year up until his ACL injury. But what I'm trying to get at is these guys need extra reps, not only to get you know playing time on the field, but also pr prepare themselves mentally. I mean, it's huge. Anytime you face that adversity where no team you know wants you, and then you finally get your, your opportunity, that's where training camp and that's where preseason starts and ends. So I just think it's it's not helpful for undrafted free agents or first year players even. To get acclimated to their systems, they have to do it right away, and that's why Tua Tungavaloa for Miami, which we'll get into. That's well why well done on the last name. You stuck the landing. Well, well done. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've been working on it. Mind you, the documentary on Fox is incredible. So if you have any time, check it out. 
But I will say that is most certainly the reason why Miami is not starting Tua, and that's because he needs his 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 um, you know intelligence to play a factor. His you know he needs to learn the schemes. He needs to learn the the playbook, and it takes time. So you know what I feel for the guys that you know the first year players and undrafted, and those guys do turn out to be pretty good players. So, um, but talk about a great team, Giff. Talk about a great team, the Buffalo Bills. I, they just continue to astonish me week in and week out, and I should not be shocked anymore. I, I think my mindset should be like, okay, they're a good team. They're they're an elite team coming into the AFC East. You know, without the Patriots being that you know competitive with all their injuries and you know with all their setbacks with Tom Brady out of the mix, Josh Allen has come to play. I mean, he has been incredible. You know, he just, he leads the team in, in a way that Sean McDermott just has the the ability to gift him with good wide receivers, good weapons. You know, Devin Singletary is becoming a beast in the backfield. You got at least a top five defense when they're all healthy. Tredavious White, I mean, that guy is a baller. So I, I think the, the Vegas Raiders have had a tough schedule. You know, anytime you go against the Saints and you had the Patriots and you had the Bills, Man, that's where you show your true colors. And I'll, I'll tell you what, Vegas played a hell of a fight, but the Bills, they just have too much. And at the same time, they're going to be a force in the AFC, I'm telling you, without any fans too. They, you know, Bills Mafia, we talked about last week in previous shows, Bills Mafia is a huge catalyst to the Bills engine on, on how they run their offense and defense. And without them, they look even better. And it's incredible. It's just astonishing to me. But again, I should not be shocked anymore. This is a legit team. Well, and I think too, especially coming off of last year and and, and Josh Adams, you know, accuracy was was questioned. And you know, can they win the big game? Um, they had the lead late in that in that playoff game at Houston, uh, and kind of you know gave Houston every opportunity to win it, which which you know they eventually took. But you know, oh. What a concept. You get a young quarterback a weapon, and all of a sudden, like, he's good now. Like, Stephon Diggs has been fantastic with that team. Um, you know, uh, and believe me, like, after last year and after his, after his demonstrative behavior, especially on the sidelines, um, either not getting the ball with Kirk Cousins or whatever, they're showing him pretty much, you know, after every after every, um, after every every drive, he seems into it. He's getting the ball. He's winning. Um, and, you know, look, Josh Allen is a legit MVP contender. He really is. Um, they're four and zero, and I think you throw them right in with Aaron Rodgers. I think you throw them right in with Russell Wilson. I think you throw them right in with with Patty Mahomes, and I think it's gonna be you know, really a four quarterback battle. Um, you know, going down the stretch, and like I said before, you know, I pick Buffalo to come out of the East. They have all their tough games at home. They have Kansas City at home. They have the Rams at home. Um, you know, I really, th- I really do think they might be a, a top two. Um, you know, top seed in the in the AFC right now because, like I said, all the tough games are home. Josh Allen is is that offense is firing on all cylinders, and um, you know, like look, everyone off of that Monday night game is talking about Aaron Rodgers and MVP, but you know, um, I'm pretty sure Josh Allen has more touchdowns and more yards, and they have the same record. So that just kind of goes to show you the type of year that he's been having, and um, you know, I, I expect big things from them. Again, down the stretch, we'll see because again, it's very easy to get high on the horse. That, you know, that Chris Berman calls it circle the wagons with the Buffalo Bills. 
But when it comes down to, to not cutting time towards the end of the year and they're starting to fight for a seed, we'll see. But listen, all the check marks have gone off. They, they gave up a big lead against the L.A. Rams, came back, won the game. Josh Allen gets knocked out, I think, in the second quarter. The pretty nasty, looked like his, his I think it was his left shoulder, got driven into the ground pretty pretty good, comes back and puts a wrap on it and, and leads that team to a victory. So they've definitely checked off all yeah, the Yeah, and Josh Allen's season tolls, you know, you talk about 71% completion percentage, 1,326 passing yards and 12 touchdowns with one interception. That's pretty damn good in my eyes and definitely MVP worthy, especially a quarter through the season. Um, but yeah, way, way to go for Buffalo um, replacing, you know, a great New England and Kansas City matchup. So I think they lived up to the hype and I think the Vegas Raiders did too. So, um, you know, let's move on to the Colts and Bears as, you know, we got to talk about your division rival. Yeah, so <clears throat> kind of an interesting um, development specifically in that game because, you know, coming off of the, the comeback win against Detroit um, and, you know, obviously Trubisky getting pulled after the one interception. Um, honest, and again, to reiterate, it kind of seems like they had it out for, you know, the first bad play they were going to, you know, throw poles in. Um, but they go at home against the, you know, against the Colts team that, um, you know, they were honestly, they were right neck and neck with and they just threw up a dud again. So now, you know, and it's the same problem, though, for Matt Nagy. There hasn't been any improvement or any sort of uh, changing or adjustments as far as the game plan is concerned. Because when you read all, you know, especially Barstool, Big Cat, he's a big, um, he's a big Bears fan. You know, they're like, run the ball. Run the ball with David Montgomery. You got a stud back there. Use him. But honestly, I think they had, let me see, I think it was. Oh, that's not going to be ball games. No, but it's like they had 16 total attempts for 29 yards, and I think Foles threw the ball 40 times. So when you don't have any sort of bounce like that, and look, Nick Foles is, is a decent quarterback, but when you don't have any sort of offensive system, if you don't have balance, you know, and I don't think Nick Foles is a talented is is talented enough to get you over the top when you don't have other options. Um, so now but to, to that point, Giff, if I may cut you off just there, 16 attempts for 29 yards. That's like less than two yards a carry. Like, if you're not beating the run, that's the whole thing. You got you have to understand the the flow of the game because if you have a good running game, if you set the bar high early on and often, but the Colts do have a good pass rush, um, and you know stopping the run. Um, I do think that you know the Bears kind of utilize their weapons incorrectly as far as you know play action. Right? They got to use a lot of play action because. David, he's right. David Montgomery does become a huge threat out of the backfield. But you got to at least, you know, kind of set that bar. And I'm telling you, 16 carries for 29 yards, sorry to, like, you know, sound, sound redundant, but that's horrible. They, they can't get anywhere near trying to do a passing game because the pass rush just is going to stay on top of Nick Foles, especially if there's no development in the running game. Yeah, and I think, and I think if you're Matt Nagy now, like, this is the bet that you made. You pulled Trubisky, you brought in Foles, everybody in Chicago was like, okay, fine, we're off and running, we're ready to go, Nick Foles is going to bring us to the promised land, and you kind of got the same results. I mean, <clears throat> there wasn't that back-breaking you know, interception or, or turnover by Trubisky. Um, I think there was only one turnover in the game for the, for the Bears, but you still got the same result. So now you can't, you can't turn back, you can't bring Trubisky back in. I don't, uh, it, it just wouldn't set a good tempo for your football team to go you know, back and forth 
you know, a two quarterback system because I, you know, I'm pretty sure Bill Parcells said at one point, if you got two quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks. So I, I think now, you know, you're you're in this boat now, and you got a big game coming up against Tampa on Thursday night, and we'll see if they can right the ship. But you know, when you plug in a different quarterback, and you you know you put the reason why you pulled one guy, you didn't think he was good enough, and then you throw the next guy in, and you still get the same result. You know, I think now this might put Matt Nagy on the hot seat because different quarterback, same result, same lack of running game. So I think now it's it's do or die. So I, I expect him on Thursday night to come out guns blazing and trying everything, kitchen sink, trick plays, end around, flea flickers, whatever it is, just to get a W, just to get them on that. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to do anything possible. And you're right. Anytime you switch a quarterback out and put, put a new one in, you know, it's not a plug-and-play type of situation. Nick Foles, you know, probably hasn't threw a ball in, in quite some time. So anytime you, you know, bench Strabinski, who you gave up a lot in within the draft, and it's a huge investment, and sometimes that investment doesn't shake out. So I think Nick Foles, you know, he has to come in prepared for Thursday night. You hit the nail on the head there. But Matt Nagy, he has to speak to what he did as far as, you know, actions speak loud in words, right? I, I can tell you, you know, Strabinski's a great quarterback, but I don't think he has it. Well, Prove to me why Nick Foles has it. Because Nick Foles did not show up that game. And I will say the secondary for the Colts isn't that good. Their pass rush is pretty good, like I said. And their, you know, stopping the run is pretty decent. But their secondary, there's no way that Nick Foles should have had that type of game. There's no way. Um, talk about a entertaining game, okay? The Cleveland Browns and Dallas Cowboys game was tremendous. You know, Cleveland Browns won... 49 to 38. Yes, Cowboy fans, close your ears because we're talking about you. Um, man, Baker Mayfield came out balling. For, for whatever reason, uh, Stefanski came ready for this matchup. And he was well prepared. He was well prepared to put uh, OBJ in some situations where we're going to get you the ball. We need to get you the ball. You're a playmaker. You're at best when you're in the open or you have you know running time. And that Jarvis Landry throw was incredible. It was a, a drawn-up play. Definitely Stefanski whipped that out from his you know uh, Minnesota days because I remember, I think it was uh, Adam Thielen throwing it to Stefan Diggs or Kyle Rudolph in the end zone plenty of times. So I think he definitely utilized that from his Minnesota days. But even with Nick Chubb out of the game, even without him, there was no, no worry because Kareem Hunt, Man, that guy's a baller. You need a guy that can run the rock as best as he can. He will give you 100%. He will take hits when it matters. Nick Chubb, he's out for a little while. Um, you know, he got a little, little nicked up in that game. And at the end of the day, Cleveland came to play. Dallas, you know, had a, a late run at it, but they didn't show as much heart for, four, uh, for 60 minutes. So once that kind of hits that roadblock, where you're at halftime and you have nothing to say but hey we got to get back in this game. I think they were down what 21 to 7 going into half something like that. So I, I I think it's unfortunate for Dallas. I really do. Mike McCarthy is a great offensive minded coach, but man, Cleveland held them in the first half and then you're playing catch up the entire time. Anytime you play catch up, you know that every drive means more than than the previous one. So if you don't step up within the current drive, you got some serious issues. And Zeke Elliott, you have got to play even better than what you played before. 
you know, he had like over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown, but that still doesn't matter. He's got to put up serious numbers because Dak needs help. You can just see it. Dak needs immense help, and he's not getting it from his receivers. His drop balls. You know, the second half, CeeDee Lamb went off, Amari Cooper went off, but again, you got to play for the full 48, I mean, uh, sorry, 60 minutes. I'm in the basketball mindset right now. I'm talking like I'm talking about the Celtics. Um, no, Dallas needs to definitely reshape their offensive schemes and even defensive. They are horrific defensively. Well, here's the thing, too. Like, okay, so Mike McCarthy should basically take the game plan that Cleveland had and use that next week. Now, they're playing the Cowboys play the Giants next week, so they might get off the schneid, get some positive momentum underneath. But, like, look at the Cleveland rushing stats. Cleveland ran the ball 40 times for 307 yards. That's insane. Okay, now, Mike McCarthy needs to basically take a look at that tape, not look at defensively what they could do better, but take a look at the Cleveland offense and see what their game plan should be. Because it only makes sense. If your defense is letting up these big leads in the first half, and then you're going to come out, sling the ball, <clears throat> go three and out, and get down by more, why don't you try and play some run, you know, ball control, run the clock offense. Save your defense. Save, you know, if they're going to be giving up huge plays, passing game, running game, whatever it is, give the defense a chance. Um, and honestly, this type of offense that Stefanski is running in Cleveland is the perfect offense for Baker Mayfield. Don't put all of the responsibility on him. We've seen that. We saw it last year with Freddie Kitchens throwing the ball 40, 45, 50 times. Turnovers, sacks, holding on to the ball too long. This is the perfect offense for Baker Mayfield. Run the ball, play action pass. This is right out of the Kirk Cousins playbook. Okay, right out of the Kirk Cousins playbook. Don't put all the eggs in the Kirk Cousins basket. Because guess what? They're going to get smashed. So with Baker Mayfield, same thing. Mike McCarthy needs to take a look at that offensive scheme that the Browns put together and, and copy that to a T next week. If your defense stinks, run the ball, give them a chance. Um, but it's honestly the, the perfect offense for Baker. You know, Cleveland's 3-1. Uh, they're playing the Colts next week. Um, it's 3-1 against 3-1, and I think it'll be a good matchup. Uh, it'll be a good test for teams. But if you're Dallas, what a disaster. I mean, you are one... Uh, Atlanta uh, special teams gap away from being 0-4. And, and, and honestly, that one win might have might have knocked the set off of the Mike McCarthy needs to go uh, uh, sort of smell. Um, but honestly, you know, great game. Way to close it off from Cleveland. I mean, that's a giant collapse either way, even if you do win the game. But, you know, um, you know Cleveland, Cleveland might be legit. It'll be interesting to see if anybody stops the run and, and what ends up happening if Baker does have to throw 35-40 times. But good overall win. And uh, boy, if you're Jerry Jones, you gotta be you gotta be hitting the whiskey a little a little hard on. Uh, on for sure, for sure. And, and keep in mind too, Nick Chubb, uh, he's gonna be out. Uh, he, like I said, he has a serious injury. So, um, you know, Kareem Hunt is definitely gonna be a huge fantasy factor moving forward. But I think he's gonna be a huge weapon because you saw what he did with Kansas City when he was with Pat Mahomes. I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's like Pat Mahomes, but Stefanski has that mindset, offensive skill mindset. Uh, to put guys in, you know, the strengths um, in position to succeed. Uh, Cleveland's 3-1 and one on the year, okay? And, I mean, I'm looking at the stats overall. Don't get me wrong. Dallas had a tremendous second half. But when you go down, again, 31-14 to 14 at halftime, that's a serious issue. So, 
Yeah, let's move on to the next one uh, since we got a couple more here. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> so Tampa Bay wins a wild shootout uh, against the uh, against the L.A. Chargers. Um, Deadly, uh, Brady threw another pick six uh, in this game. I'm pretty sure he's thrown three uh, in his last four games. But, boy, did he come on strong. And this, this game was on TV. This is a fun game to watch. Um, so Brady, and, and I think, again, like any offense, like any good offense has, is balance, okay? So you can you can throw the ball with Brady. You can, you know, have the vertical pass game like Bruce Arians likes to do. But so Brady stats overall, 369 passing yards, five touchdowns, that pick six early. Um, he had a completion to nine different receivers. Um, but you also had Ronald Jones the third with 20 carries and 111 yards. So, again, balance. And honestly, I don't think that O.J. Howard injury is, is going to affect them all that much because they have so many weapons that they can throw ball to. Anything, there's almost too many cooks in the kitchen. How, how do I get the ball to all these guys? I think that'll actually focus them a little bit more. I think you'll see a lot more targets to Gronk um, with, with O.J. Howard out. But Tampa Bay, yeah, Tampa Bay too. So, you know, overall, good performance um, still. You know, uh, shoddy start, great finish. But honestly, you know, Brady in his last two games, 666 yards, eight touchdowns, one pick. I mean, that, those are those are really good stats for for a 40 for any quarterback, let alone a 40 year old uh, quarterback who likes avocado ice cream. So, um, you know, but honestly, like Tampa, Tampa's legit. Uh, I, I think Tampa, you know, and and the Packers being on a bye this week, you know, two weeks they're going down to Tampa, so that should be a fun game to watch. Um, but you know, I think I think Tampa's for real. I think they're starting to starting to figure it out balance their defense still really hasn't stopped anybody so far but i mean hell if you're throwing up 38 points a game um you know i think you're definitely going to give your defense a, a chance to get a couple stops and come out with a w but look man yeah herbert's for real i hate to say it dustin herbert's for real and i feel bad for tyrod taylor because it should be a starting job if it wasn't for you know a doctor who got a little bit overzealous with a needle um but i, I don't know how you put Tyron Taylor back in the starting lineup. I really don't because they're coming out firing and Herbert's been fantastic so far. He's been really, really good. Um, so, you know, overall good game, good win for the Bucs. I think, I think Herbert's there to stay. Yeah, I agree. And I think during the draft too, I mean, Miami had the pick before the chargers um, and they decided to go with Tua. And at the time there was a lot of conversations back and forth throughout the Miami organization and the higher management that, you know, Justin Herbert was going to be the guy. Now, everybody's saying that was smoke, but, I mean, I would say that's now fire. I would say, you know, Justin Herbert's looking tremendous out there, poised in the pocket, can throw balls on the money in small windows. That's what he does best. And also, to, to their credit, I think they did a lot of scouting on Justin Herbert. You know, with them being in L.A. and Oregon not too far away, I think they had the right scouts in at the right time, and, um, you know, he played tremendous in Oregon, so it doesn't really shock me, you know, that he's been, you know, putting up those kind of numbers in with, with the Chargers. And I will say, if there's any quarterback that you can beat out right now, currently, besides Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, I would say it's Tyron Taylor. Um, I, I think that was kind of like a cakewalk throughout training camp. Mind you, you know, Anthony Lynn went with um, Tyron Taylor, like you said, because of, you know, the lung puncture. Um, which, I mean, the team doctor took it and, you know, he gave him the vaccination. It didn't work out, but it's nothing to be seriously worried about. He's probably healthy already, but since Justin Herbert's playing out of his mind, um, you know, why not just keep plugging him in 
and um, you know having him and Joshua Kelly now because, uh, like I said in the beginning, Austin Eckler is going to be out for four or six weeks. So Joshua Kelly is another name that you should look out for on the uh, free agent market for your fantasy team. Um, uh, con- conspiracy theory, I think. Uh, I think that that uh, uh, L.A. Chargers doctor drafted Herbert on his fantasy team. See, I, <laughs> I think he dropped him on his fantasy team, and he's just like, I think this kid can ball. Whoops! There goes the needle. <laughs> Sorry about your kidney. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know what? Things happen, right? Accidents happen, but. I think it's funny that you bring that up because I thought of the same thing. I thought, oh, the the you know the LA Chargers doctor has you know money on the Chargers this year. Justin Herbert's the best option. So, um, but he's hey Tim Donahue happened, so I I wouldn't be shocked by he's anything. A team, at this he's point. a team doctor too, so yeah, like you said, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, let's talk about the intriguing games because week five, okay, we're a quarter through the season, Giff. And week five is usually when teams start to show their true colors. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, they're they're not going to be legit down the stretch, but this is where kind of the real teams, you know, not they they stop being pretenders, right? Um, And so we're going to see that curve start to happen. And with COVID situation happening right now, I think teams are hungry as ever to get on the field and play the game that they love to play. So uh, let's talk about these games coming up. Bucks at Bears. Yeah, so it's funny. Um, this first Thursday game is on Fox, and it's an actual quality game. So you can you can kind of see what the NFL thinks about the NFL Network. Whoa, whoa, but, whoa! Hold your horses. Jacksonville, Miami. Come on. Uh, you made my point, former shark. Um, anyway, um, yeah. So so for the first good Thursday night game, uh, you got uh the the Tampa Bay Gronkineers uh against the uh you know at at the Chicago Bears. So like we mentioned. Yeah, so like we mentioned for the for the first kind of uh, recaps as far as the, the intriguing games as far as uh, week four is concerned. I mean, listen, I hate to say must win week five, but this is a must win for Chicago. You know, you got Tampa Bay, you got a short week, um, and and this is your this is your time. Man. And and I you know what though, I think the no fans is definitely going to help Chicago in this case because if there's any fan base that's going to let you know if you stink or if they're not happy with you. It's the Chicago home crowd, so it almost I think is is an advantage to them that they're going to be playing. You know, it, it, I think they might have like twenty five hundred fans in there, but not the amount of fans where they're going to get booed out of the building if they come out first two times and go and go three and out. So this is a uh, this is a, this is a big game uh, for Chicago. Um, you know, being already down one game to the Packers in the North, um, the Packers have a bye week this week, so to to lose this game. And then be two down in the loss column uh, with with Green Bay playing as well as they have been right now. Um, and again, this is another chance for, for Brady, prime time, uh, to show that you know New England's in the far rearview mirror. You know, in the last two games he's been really hot. Um, so it'll be an interesting matchup. Um, you know, I think more of a must win for Chicago uh, than Tampa, uh, just because of you know all of the pulling of Trubisky, throwing in Foles, getting the same results as far as losing. So uh, it'll be an interesting game. Uh, I'll definitely be watching, and I think it'll be uh, yeah, it'll it'll definitely be very intriguing. Yeah, and sure. I think it's going to be a good test for Brady too. Um, you know, not to say that no New Orleans hasn't, or you know, even Carolina, or even you know, um, looking at last week's game as well. But I, I will say, you know, Chicago, you talk about backs against the wall. You got the Pucks, you got the Panthers in Carolina with Teddy Bridgewater doing what he's doing right now. We'll see what he does this week. But you have LA Rams, you have the Saints, you have the Titans, you have the Vikings, you have Packers. Oh yuck! That, that just like gets a terrible work. schedule. 
Ugh. That gets worse and worse and worse. So if I'm Matt Nagy, I, I'm using all the weapons I have because, yes, you, you might be right. His ass might be on the hot seat. Um, it might be tough for them because of their opponents, you know, to sit upright and, you know, to keep that train moving. But I, I will tell you, Tampa Bay is just a force. It's a force in the league. We thought about it coming in. They have a ton of, you know, offensive weapons. And a guy, a guy that's going to stick to my mind as the upcoming heir apparent of Julian Edelman for Tom Brady is Scotty Miller. That guy can get open pretty easy. He's very quick. He's got great hands. He's good in the slot. He's definitely going to be, you know, Tom Brady's new Julian Edelman. And Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Cameron Bray, Gronkowski, he's got all that all the weapons in the world. And again, we talk about it in the past that you you can't tell who Tom Brady's going to go to in these games, right? So he's going to have his strengths. He's always going to hit Mike Evans down the field, but you never know what he's going to do with these backs. You know, we saw Leonard Fournette, we saw Ronald Jones, and we even saw the third string running back. Um, I, I forget his name, but he scored a touchdown as well. So you're going to be see, seeing him distribute the ball all around because he knows if he has those weapons, is going to be tough to defend that. And their defense is getting to be a force too. So they might look to be a top five, top 10 defense when it's all said and done at the end of the year. So that's another team, you know, obviously Chicago, they're, they're in a tough situation. They're in a tough division as, as well. I mean, I like the Packers, Minnesota, I think will turn up at some point. Um, but yeah, I think the Bears have a rude awakening coming. Um, Giff, I don't know why we had this game, but I'll get to it. Uh, it's Dolphins at 49ers. Obviously, me being a Miami fan, okay, Fitz is starting. It's already said and done. It's official. Do I think it's the right choice? Not really. And the reason why I want to get to it is because Miami has Houston's first round and second round pick, okay? Those picks are going to be vital. And the reason why Houston is so bad is because they don't have the talent and they got rid of that coach. My point is this. If you have the number one pick and you have Tua Tungvaloa playing in the game and you see that he is not the guy, you can go after Trevor Lawrence. Now, you, you don't want to have these two guys ballot out. I hate that, you know, that thing about, oh, well, you can draft Trevor Lawrence and have Tua and Trevor ballot out. You just don't know. They're so young. You don't know what you have. But at least if Brian Flores tests the wars with Tua and see if that hip is back to normal and his long ball is back to you know the way he played against Georgia in the national championship game, even further on in, in his you know jun- uh, junior year because he played before that hip injury, I think they have something ver- a good foundation. They have good pieces. But again, it goes back to it. They've always had good pieces. They just can't put a complete team together. And they can't put together a complete game. My whole notion on this game this past weekend against Seattle, that should have been Miami winning. There is no way that you should have five consecutive field goals. Five consecutive field goals against that defense. Seattle's not that good. I, 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 lo- I looked at their defense recently and their numbers. They're almost dead last. They are horrific. 
And their secondary is, is shameful. I mean, Quentin Dunbar, he, he was out for the game. And then Jamal Adams was out for the game. And it, it was just like Ryan Fitzpatrick was making the worst decisions. So when people say, oh, it's good that Tua learns from Ryan Fitzpatrick, is it? I mean, the guy has like a, a sub-60 uh, winning percentage. Like, that, that's not good in, in the NFL. It's, it's actually worse. It's not sub-60. It's actually worse. But my whole, my whole plan for Miami is to start Tua, figure it out, figure out what you have now, because then if you take that risk and take into Tua that early top five in this, year's, this last year's pick, you still have a number one pick that you can rely on to go get Trevor Lawrence. And if it doesn't pan out with Tua, you trade him. That's how I look at it. But again, I like Tua. I like what I see out of him. That documentary is awesome. And I learned a lot about him, what he went through. And he's a tough son of a you-know-what. And he has the ability to take over games mentally and physically. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is test the wars with Tua, see what you got. And then if you don't like what you see, you go and get Trevor Lawrence. That's how I look at it. Yeah, well, my, my one argument for seeing what you have with Tua is how Justin Herbert's playing so far. And when you have everybody, you know, saying like, oh, save him, save him, save him. Well, what we've seen so far in four weeks is that offenses are definitely, you know, above and beyond, you know, where the where the defenses are at this point in time. So why wouldn't the perfect opportunity be, you know, go against the 49er team that's dinged up and, and see what you got out of it? I mean, you know, you're not going to – realistically, you're not going to contend for a playoff out this year. So, so why not give Tua a shot? My, if, and now look, if Tua and Justin Herbert right. were, were a conversation within the you know Miami Dolphins front office, then if Herbert's doing that well, why not see what you have with Tua? And I think this is kind of the the you know Josh Rosen probably got a little bit more of a uh, of a chance in, in certain spots, but if you don't second round pick yeah, we so, gave up second so round if, pick if you don't know what you have with them, it's pretty hard to then you know go ahead and project what you might have next year or the year after. Um, when the offenses are so far ahead of the defenses, and in the, in the NFL today is a passing league, it, it's offensive friendly, um, and, and with the performance of Herbert so far, why wouldn't you give Tua a shot just to see what you have with him? And I think their schedule definitely lightens up, you know, over the next three or four games. I think they got the 49ers. I think the Jets are thrown in there. So why not give him a run? See what you think. And if Flores doesn't like it, he can go back to Fitzpatrick. But I don't know why you wouldn't see what you have with him just in case. And listen, if you got a stud. And, and the and the offense is, is definitely revitalized and, and if they're you know more more of a force. Yeah, so why not give them a shot? Just just and I, and I get any coach that comes from the New England system is is not gonna put a guy out in the field unless they're one hundred percent. But it's like you, you have nothing to lose. There's nothing to lose with seeing what you have with Tua. And because you got him the first round, you have him on a contract for four years. So if he goes in there and he stinks up the joint you can still bring him back and you can still build up confidence, but I just don't know why you wouldn't at least give him a shot and, and see what he can do. Right, and we've heard this. His his hip's healthy. It's, it's looking good. Well, let's prove it. Let's see what he is on the field before we get to that you know expectation. And I, I will say, too, it kind of struck my eye today because I saw it on Miami Dolphins' Twitter account. It said that, Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting on week five against the 49ers. And that was from Miami Dolphins official Twitter account. So, so 
I think a change is coming. I really do. I think a change is coming. I think it's getting pushed internally. I think Stephen Ross and I think Chris Greer are trying to push Brian Flores to say, hey, man, now's the time. Give him a shot. We're one in three. Will we love a top five pick along with the top, you know, the, the first pick in the draft? Yeah, but we've been there last year. So we're trying to get better. So the whole purpose is that you got Tua is, yes, give Ryan Fitzpatrick the reins, see what he does for the first, you know, four or five weeks. And then you bring in Tua. Well, I think now's the time because we saw what the product was on Sunday against a bad defense, like I said, in Seattle. And Ryan Fitzpatrick couldn't beat him. They were in the game. They were, the defense was stopping Russell Wilson a lot in the first half and even in the third. And they gave up a, a terrible you know, touchdown in the fourth. Don't get me started. But I, I think most importantly is to figure out your athletes. Okay. You have a good offensive line, your running game, you gotta develop that running game. I think that is a vital piece. They every single year they bring in a couple of guys that have potential and they don't turn out. So, you know, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, and they have Miles Gaskins. Miles Gaskins is getting all the touches. It not, might not be a bad idea to get Matt Breida more involved because I guarantee you when Tua is under center, that is when those type of running backs are going to be used because that's what he did in Alabama. And that long ball with Devontae Parker and Preston Williams and Jakeem Grant, all those players are going to be huge for Tua in the long ball and even in the slot. So I just think Miami, like I said, they need to make the right decision. And that decision gift is starting Tua. Um, we'll get to the Colts at Browns right now um, since you know it's going to be a pretty decent game. The Browns are you know on a good streak, and we'll see what they can do. Yeah, I think and this is definitely another little test for Cleveland. Um, you know, three and one against three and one. You know, the Colts have won three straight over. You know, throwing up that dud um, open weekend at, at Jacksonville. Um, you know, Phil Rivers is, is fitting nicely um, into that into that offense. And I tell you what, I don't know why so many people missed out on Jonathan Taylor. He's a stud. He really is. Like that offensive line is really good. Don't get me wrong. Led by Anthony Costanzo, but. You know, I don't know why people were, were so, you know, he was like a lot of the people going in the draft were like, oh, he doesn't have, you know, good 40 speed or, you know, breakaway speed or what have you. But it's like, the guy's a running back. Like, he, in, at Wisconsin, if there's any program that's going to give you a really good indication about how a running back is going to do, you know, running between the tackles, i.e. what the NFL style is, it's Wisconsin. That's what they do. So the fact that, um, you know, the fact that the Colts picked him up, he's been a really, he's been awesome. Uh, so far, Phil Rivers is fitting in nicely, um, and you know, good another like I said, another good step test for the for the Browns, um, seeing if they can continue with their with their run first play action attack. Um, and I think you know, again, in years past, here we go, everybody's starting to get on the Cleveland bandwagon again. Have a really impressive win at Dallas. Let's see if they can continue it. Um, and I like, like you mentioned earlier, I like the different uh, the different play calls and the. Getting your skill players the ball, yeah. I, I going from Freddie Kitchens to to Stefanski is just like going from the, the outhouse to the penthouse. It really is because there's 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 ingenuity, there's ingenuity, there's creativeness on getting Odell the ball. And I think as long as Odell gets the ball, I don't think it matters how or where. As long as he gets the ball and is able to to produce, um, I think you can keep him engaged. And I think that you know definitely get a ball rolling, especially with Jarvis Landry. Austin Hooper, Kareem Hunt out of the backfield, and, and Baker Mayfield play action passes. So it'll be an interesting game. It'll be a good test for, for both teams. 
and I think you'll definitely All right, so two things. I, I totally agree with you. Great w. points. Um, Jonathan Taylor, yes, Wisconsin is known for running backs. You got Melvin Gordon, James White. Those two guys, they are what they are in the NFL. They have been tremendous. Um, when you look at another program, Alabama, right, and Damian Harris for the Patriots, my point is when you have a running game that you can rely on, that's easy for a quarterback to acknowledge and easy for a quarterback to you know play with. And that's exactly what Cleveland's going to have. And Austin Hooper is a guy that you got to keep your eyes on because he's getting comfortable with Baker Mayfield. And a big reason why is, yes, the different play calling, but he is going to be vital in the red zone with play action or even putting him in the slot and have him go one-on-one against a safety or a quarterback. So he is a threat. Another threat that Baker Mayfield has at his disposal, Stefanski. He is doing everything possible to keep his job. And I, I know he just started, but he's doing exactly what the Cleveland Browns want him to do. And that is bringing an offensive-minded football team because they know what they have on defense. It's always going to be in the middle of the pack, right? It's never going to be too good. It's never going to be too great. But they're always going to be in the mix. They'll be like top 12 by the end of the year. That's, that's decent. But their offense is going to be above the charts when it's all said and done. And I believe in this guy, Stefanski, because what he put in Minnesota is exactly what he's putting in with Cleveland. And so I really think, yeah, this is going to be a great matchup. But I think Cleveland walks away. I think Cleveland is definitely a force right now as far as being a borderline AFC uh, contender. And that might be early, but what they did to Dallas and what they have done in previous weeks and yes, they beat Cincinnati by a hair, but I'm telling you right now, the Colts are in for a rude awakening. Um, so the LA Chargers at the New Orleans Saints gift, Monday Night Football, you got Herbert versus uh, Drew Brees. We'll see what the young kid can do against this you know, old veteran, and um, we'll see if Michael Thomas is healthy. You, let's talk about the Saints for right now, Geff. Without Michael Thomas, they are hurting. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they, they got down early. Uh, again, uh, Detroit, thanks. Uh, like like the, the picture I put out over the weekend, it's the it's the gift that, you know, or the meme that's been going online with AJ Styles and The Undertaker, and it's AJ Styles, like, all pumped up that he finally beat The Undertaker, and underneath it it says, oh, the Colts thinking they're going to win, and then The Undertaker just stands up behind him, and I just put fate right behind him. It just seems like you know, Detroit, whatever whatever lead they get, they just, they're just destined to blow. Um, you know, but, I again, you know, Herbert going into uh, New Orleans, no fans, you know, so definitely can, you know, go through his snap counts, go through his reads, not have to worry about the, um, you know, the crowd noise down there. And look, I don't know what, I know they're trying to get <clears throat> Taysom Hill ready, but to have Drew Brees standing on the sideline or going out a wide receiver and letting Taysom Hill, you know, get stuffed at the line of scrimmage or what have you, I don't know why you waste any snaps without the ball in Drew Brees' hand. Okay, is his arm as strong as it was beforehand? Look, he had, he had a really passing day uh, on Sunday, throwing the ball down the field with some good zip on it. I just don't know why you, you have that guy. You waste any sort of, uh, of snaps on, on Taysom Hill, and, and that's what, you know, I mentioned that last week on our, you know, that big segment. But, um, you know, in New Orleans is, is it, like I said, they're, they're, they're still legit. Um, I said they obviously miss Michael Thomas. 
You know, the guy caught 147, 149 balls last year, and it was like a 92% completion percentage for all the ball in his direction. So anytime you're going to rely on a guy that much, now he's out of the lineup. Yeah, there are some definitely, um, you know, some other guys that need to step up. But it'll be interesting to see if, you know, New Orleans gets back on pace or, you know, uh, Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think it's going to be – I also so think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a low shootout, but I think these guys are going to be, you know, come ready to play and – I, I think Josh Kelly is going to have a great game. I, I love this kid out of UCLA. You know, he's been incredible um, blocking-wise. And he, he's read the pockets pretty well, you know, trying to go through, you know, the little seams here and there. But he is flexible. I mean, we saw him leap over a defender, you know, this past week. So uh, when, you know, Austin Eckler went down. So he's definitely a force in the backfield. We'll see what we can do, you know, as far as consistency goes with Anthony Lynn running the show.